So good to be together with you in the house of the Lord today. And I want to welcome you to church. Maybe if you come for the first time or the first time in a long time, welcome at our Awatuki campus and everybody who's online watching with us. So glad to have you joining with us. And we know that God wants to do something good in your life today. Do you believe that? Amen. I want to start out with James chapter 1, verse 22. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. James goes on to say, this is the brother of Jesus. He says, if you do what the Bible says, you will experience God's blessing and freedom in your life. Who wants blessing and freedom in their lives? But if you listen without doing what the word says, he says you deceive yourself. What does he mean? You can deceive yourself into thinking that you should be experiencing blessing. You can deceive yourself into thinking you're free without actually experiencing those benefits in your life. So I want to talk to you today on this subject. The title of this message is Get Engaged, Just Do It. Just do it. It's appropriate, right? Okay, we're going to talk getting engaged today. I remember when I got engaged to my now wife, Amy. Um, I was so nervous. I wrote her a song and sang this song to her. I had a car come pick us up because she said yes, obviously. We went to dinner. We went to celebrate with our families. But you know that was just the beginning of the engagement process, right? There's still things you have to do after that in order to go to the next level in your relationship. You've got to make some plans. You've got to arrange some things, invite some people, arrange for food. She's got to get a dress. You've got to get a marriage license. You've got to fight a little bit. Amen? not the only one. That's just part of the process. Then you finally get married and join your lives together. But if you don't do the necessary things, you can be engaged in theory without being engaged in reality. I talk to people like that at church sometimes. They get engaged. Pastor, we got engaged. Check out my ring. I'm like, how long have you been engaged now? Oh, three years. What? What, what are you waiting for? That's my question. You're just existing in the worst part of your relationship. Don't delay. I'm a big fan of short engagements. Hallelujah. I say get to know each other as long as you need, but then once you get engaged, go forward, get married. You don't want to just exist in that state of your relationship. It's very frustrating. you got to come together and agree on things, but you don't get to experience the benefits of being married. Someone that's news to you today. You don't, you're not supposed to experience the benefits of being married until you actually are married. So you don't want to just hang out there. You want to move forward. If I meet someone who's been engaged for a long time, I'm thinking, what are you waiting for? Why did you even ask her, man, just to get her off your back? Don't just talk about it. Do it. Engagement is so important. As followers of Jesus, we're not just supposed to engage with him in theory, but we want to engage with him in reality. Not just say we're Christians or pray a prayer, but actually do what the Word of God tells us to do. If you don't do what the Word of God says, if you don't engage, you can be a Christian in name without experiencing the benefits of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is my prayer for you as a pastor. Colossians chapter 1 says this, We ask God, and I ask God, to give you complete knowledge of His will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, 
All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I'm going to assume some things about you today. I'm going to assume that you want to know God's will for your life, that you want to gain wisdom, that you want your life to be fruitful, that you want to live your life in a way that honors God, and that you want to know God better and better. Is that a good assumption for some of you? Okay. Now, here's the thing. We were celebrating recently that our church was recognized as the fastest growing church in Arizona. That's crazy, right? Praise God. We give him praise for that. But listen, it doesn't matter if you don't grow individually as a follower and friend of Jesus. So I'm going to speak some truth to you today, and I'm asking you to assume some things about me. Assume that I care about you. Assume that I want the best for you. Assume that I want what God wants for you so that you could be blessed and free according to God's plan. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to give you some some challenging uh, statements today and ask you to change some things, maybe to take the next step in your relationship with God, and it might make you nervous. But just trust me. Trust me. Famous last words. Just trust me. I was nervous when I asked Amy to marry me, even though I knew she would say yes. I was in the bathroom just breathing hard. Okay, here we go. And a lot of you, you know that you need to take a next step in your relationship with God, and you even believe that he'll bless you, but you're still nervous. I wanna encourage you today, just do it. Get engaged, just do it. So a couple of months ago, we had all the adults in one of our services take an engagement survey to measure how engaged are you with the life of the church? Because we wanna figure out how healthy we are and where we're at and how we can grow and how we can help you. So we took that survey, and I'm gonna share it with you today, the results of that survey. Is that okay? It's going to be exciting. And I want you to know that what I talk about is not intended to guilt trip you in any way because guilt does not lead to life change and lasting change. But I want to encourage you and challenge you so you can experience the benefits of following Jesus. The first question we ask is, how often do you attend church? And 73% said they were in church every week. Okay. Unless I'm sick, unless I'm on vacation, I'm in church. Now, I have to tell you, that number is wrong. (laughs) What do you mean, Pastor Ryan? Because half the people who were skipping church that day did not take the survey. (laughs) So it's less less than 73% are in church regularly, weekly. Some people said, hey, I come about three times a month. Some people said probably at least once a month. I want you to understand, you need to be in church weekly. If you got saved and I only had one minute to talk to you and you said, Pastor Ryan, what should I do? I would say, keep coming to church. Keep coming to church. If you keep coming to church over time, you will learn everything you need to know in order to become who God calls you to be. Now, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to SeaWorld makes me Shamu. (laughs) But if you keep coming to a healthy place, and this is a healthy church, you won't be able to help but become a healthy person. That's why I want you to come to church. This is what Christians do from the very beginning. In Acts 20, we see an example. It says, on the first day of the week, that's Sunday, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. That's communion, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. That's a long church service, right? (laughs) Don't worry, this sermon will get over several hours before midnight. Paul, he taught the whole counsel of Scripture, he says, in Acts chapter 20. It takes time to receive the whole counsel 
of Scripture. It takes time to learn what you need to know and to grow. That's why you need to come to church on a regular basis. Just to graduate from high school, you have to go every day for about 12 years in order to get an education and learn what you need to know. I think we need to come to church weekly so that we can grow through the Word of God. Now, of course, you can read the Bible on your own and you can grow, but you see that singing together, praying together, receiving preaching and teaching from the Word of God is a vital part of your growth plan as a follower of Jesus. We've got to prioritize this. If we came to church uh, infrequently, uh, it would really set us on a pathway to struggle unnecessarily in our walk with God. I, but I think about how you par- as parents, you're so good at, at pushing your children to go to school every day. What if you let your kids go to school the way that you go to church? Would they struggle or would they thrive? Just think about it, okay? Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect, notice that word neglect, our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We wouldn't suffer child neglect, would we? We wouldn't suffer animal neglect. If you saw a dog trapped in a car in Arizona, you'd go up and you'd break that window and call the police. But why do we neglect our own souls by not coming to the place and being with the people we need to be with in order to grow in our relationship with God? It's so important for us. Now, when I go to the doctor, um, she's really good about just being blunt with me and telling me what I need to do. I'm grateful for that because I don't go to the doctor to mess around. I'm paying good money to be there. So I just need you to tell me what to do. She says, you need to take your vitamins, you need to exercise, you need to wash your hands, things like that. So I'm gonna give you some I need statements to write down in your notes today so you can remind yourself what really matters. First, I need church weekly. I need church weekly. Why does this matter? Because I want you to grow spiritually. I want your life to please God. I want you to gain wisdom. I want you to be blessed. And I'm not talking about you got sick, or you went on vacation, or you had to go out of town on a business trip. That's why we stream our services online, so you can stay connected to what God is doing, even if you're temporarily removed from coming together with God's people. I'm talking to the person who, let's be honest, wakes up some Sunday mornings just struggling with being a little bit lazy. Says, I I just don't feel like doing my makeup today. I don't feel like doing my hair. She said, hopefully it was a she. And she's like, I'm just gonna stay home. It's been a long week. Listen. You don't have to do your makeup to come to church. You don't have to do your hair. Just come in your pajamas. It's all right. We won't judge you. Come here. Get a spiritual makeover the way that you are. I'm talking to the person that says, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't need to go to church. I can practice my faith on my own, except for the fact that the Bible specifically says you need to be with God's people. You need to gather in order to be an effective Christian and live out your faith. And it's dangerous. The reason I'm warning you about this is there's a danger that you can get out of the habit of going to church and just stop. I knew a guy who one summer, he just got a new boat. Praise God for his blessings. He went to the lake with his boat one weekend. All of a sudden, he was going to the lake more and more with his boat. All of a sudden, I was like, where is that guy? Is he alive? Did he drown in the lake? I haven't seen him at church for a while. He just stopped going to church, and he's not going to church anywhere right now. And I wanted to tell him, bro, the lake is still wet on Saturday. It's open on Friday. Come to church on Sunday. I know one guy, he started taking extra shifts at work on Sunday to provide for his family. And all of a sudden, he started coming to church less and less frequently. 
And then his family stopped coming to church. And now he doesn't go to church anywhere. And I wanted to tell him, hey, man, it's not worth earning a couple extra dollars if it costs you intimacy with the Lord. I know one guy who lost a family member, and he was sad, understandably. He was wrestling with depression, and he stopped coming to church. He stopped coming, and now his family is not going to church anywhere. How does this happen? It happens so easily. You will be the most tempted to skip church the times when you most need church. The enemy knows that you need to be with God's people. The Bible says that he prowls around like a lion looking for who he can devour. If you're isolated, you're easy pickings for the enemy. You need to be with God's people. God's people will have your back and support you in those difficult times. Well, it's easy to say, well, I go most of the time, but then most of the time turns into less often than I used to. That turns into hardly ever. That turns into never. You have to decide, I'm going to church, period. Because your schedule reveals your priorities. I could review your schedule and learn a lot about you, what matters to you, who you love, and who you are. I could figure out where you work. I figure, figure out who you love. I could, I could figure out what is important to you. And you need to know that your kids are watching what you prioritize in your schedule. This is one thing that our parents' generation really got right. They prioritize gathering together as a church every week. I didn't even know that skipping church was a possibility. If I was throwing up, there was a chance my mom might let me stay home from church. And even then, it was like, just put your head out the window. You can just throw up while we're on our way. We'll go to the place you need to go. You'll get, you'll get healed. We'll pray for you. You're still coming. It was important. I knew it was important because they made it important in our family. You make your kids go to school. You make them go to practice. Why would you make church optional? They watch and they learn. When you skip church casually, you neglect the well-being of your family. Statistics all show families that attend church together, they're more likely to be healthy. Uh, couples are less likely to get divorced, less likely to have financial problems. Kids are less likely to have problems. It still happens, but it's less likely. You say, I go to church and my kids have problems. Imagine where they'd be if you didn't come to church, <laughs> right? <laughs> Got to take those small victories where you can get them. You have to decide, I'm marking it down on my calendar in advance. Rain or shine, if I'm tired, if I'm angry, if I'm happy, I'm going to church no matter what. It's a priority. And, I, and we have to clear this up. God doesn't love you less when you miss church. He doesn't love you more when you come. We're not talking about what you need to do to be saved. We're saved by grace. I'm talking about what you need to do to be changed. We're saved by grace, but we're changed by our choices. We have to choose to readjust our priorities as followers of Jesus. And it's because I want you to experience, and God wants you to experience his blessing and freedom. When you come together with God's people, you experience God's presence. And when you come into his presence, you experience life-changing power. Who doesn't want their life to be changed for the better by God? Right? I got to schedule this as a priority in my life. I know there are excuses. I know you might have objections. Um, but listen, regardless of your doubts, just do it. Yes. Sometimes you need someone just to tell you, just do it. Yes. No more excuses. Prioritize it. Just do it and watch God change your life as you change your priorities. Do you know someone who's missed church recently? Yeah. Reach out to them. Text, you can text them right now. I'm giving you permission to text during church. <laughs> Call them after church. Hey, man, where are you? I miss you. Are you okay? Friends, don't let friends miss church. If you're watching online, if you're listening to the podcast during the week and you haven't been to church in a long time, come back. 
We want you back. Wherever your campus is, come back. Just do it. Here's the next thing we asked about. Who's in a life group? 41% of our church said they're in a life group, our adults who took this survey. Who loves their life group? Right? We, we need this big gathering, and we need our small gathering. Life groups are small gatherings that happen throughout the week in homes, at the church, in coffee shops, where Christians come together, and they grow together. Some of these groups are activity-based. Some of them are Bible studies. Some of them are things like recovery groups where you get encouragement if you've gone through a hardship. Um, you need that in your life in order to be encouraged. All of these groups have intentional conversations where discipleship happens. All of the groups talk about Jesus and what God's doing in their lives. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 18. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. That means 41% of our church is in a life group with Jesus. You're like, I could be in a life group with Jesus? Yes, that's what he said. When you come together with God's people, he's there among you. We need this. Ecclesiastes 4 says two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. I need some help sometimes. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So maybe you're asking, why should I go to a life group? It's because it makes you better. It will help you be stronger. It will help you be at peace in your life. You'll be encouraged when you need encouragement. You need someone to have your back. Who has your back? And maybe you're like, well, I'm really good friends with my spouse. She has my back. You need more voices in your life than just your spouse. You need someone to have your back. And right now there's a, a chunk of people in our church. Nobody has their back. I don't want you to be vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Proverbs 13 says, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Jim Rohn, the business leader, says that you will become the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. The average financially, emotionally, physically. Think about that. Who am I spending time with? Some people right now, they're they're thinking, I got to change my friends. (laughs) I've got to make some adjustments. I want to be with God's people so that I become more godly. That's what the Bible says. Walk with the wise and become wise. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. Sometimes you need someone to share your burdens. Sometimes you need someone to say, lean on me when you're not strong, right? In other words, the Bible says you can't obey the law of Christ alone because you need someone to Share your burdens. I'm grateful for my life group. I talk with them every other day, probably at least uh, via text, and receive encouragement, motivation. We challenge each other. We share each other's burdens. These are some people I want to become more like. I'm grateful for people in my life like that, and you need people in your life like that. Life groups are life groups because they're life-giving. That's why we call them that. So you can just write this statement down to make it very clear for yourself to help you focus. I need Christian community. I need Christian community. I want to be in a life group because I need to be strong and wise. You might have excuses, maybe some objections or some doubts or some fears. Listen, just do it. Just do it and watch God replace loneliness with friendship. 
Watch as you become stronger and wiser. People are so lonely today. You need community in your life. Here's the next thing we talked about. Are you serving on a team? 32% said, I'm serving on a team. Don't we have great teams at our church? Man, the moment you walk into the church, someone's greeting you, welcoming you, uh, people taking care of the kids who love them so much, so many people who make this possible, serving. This is a biblical practice that we all need to participate in. Um, This is what Martin Luther King said. Everyone can be great because everyone can serve. He's very wise because he's echoing the words of Jesus who said in Matthew 23, the greatest among you must be a servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is a real simple question, not a trick question, not something you should feel guilty about. Don't you want to be great? Then serve. That's how you become great in the kingdom of God. Jesus came to serve. And when we serve others, we're acting as the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the physical representation of God's love to others when we serve them. As his hands and feet. Imagine what you would call someone who doesn't use their hands and feet. I would call that person paralyzed. Well, I think about Jesus in Mark 2 healing a paralyzed man. He saw a paralyzed man. He said, rise up, pick up your mat, and walk. And then I think about Christians who've been healed spiritually but refuse to rise up, pick up their mat, and walk as they serve. God didn't heal you so that you could remain on your mat. He wants you to get up, rise up, get to work, and serve other people. There are some misconceptions that people have sometimes when they come to a new church. I just want to clear those up. They'll say things like, well, I can't serve. I'm new. I'm new. I don't even know anything yet. I'm still getting involved. Do I have to prove myself? The answer is no. You don't have to prove yourself. You can start serving on one of our teams so quickly. We'll train you. We'll teach you. We'll prepare you. In fact, we have this class at our church called G101, and we explain about the church how to get involved and how to serve. This class is simple. We make it very clear, no pressure, but we can make it so easy for you to get involved and serve. People are in the class right now. They went to the 930 service and they stayed for the class. And in fact, after this service, we're having another 101 class on both campuses right after the 11 o'clock service. There's another 101 class. But Pastor Ryan, I'm hungry. We got food for you. If you brought kids, you don't even have to pick them up. Just leave them where they're at. We'll feed them too. Well, I got other excuses. Listen, when are you going to stop making excuses? This is a great, we've made it as easy as possible. Just stay, just get involved. We want to help you to do this. Here's another misconception. Uh, I know that people don't say it like this, but they, they think it in their heart. Serving is for someone who has nothing better to do. I'm busy. Listen, everyone that serves on a team is busy. We've got teachers, police officers, moms of four or five kids, public servants, executives. Nobody is not busy in some way. You're not more busy than anyone else. Your life is different, but everyone's life is full and comes with challenges and burdens. You can serve, right? And the the truth is this. When you think you need a break from serving because your life is busy, you're missing out on the thing that you actually need the most. When you don't use a muscle, it atrophies, it shrinks, and it makes it hard to get back in the groove. When your life is full and you're pouring yourself out and you're working hard and your family is challenging you, serving others is the spiritual nourishment your soul needs to be recharged. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to show you what Jesus said. 
In John chapter 4, Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman, sharing truth with her and ministering to her. His disciples went to go get lunch. Those are some good disciples. Amen. They went to get some food. They came back and they found Jesus talking to this woman. It says in verse 31, Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. What, what, did you use DoorDash and get delivery? Did someone bring you food? No, he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. Doing the will of God, carrying out his work, feeds your soul. It nourishes your soul. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to one of our security team members in the lobby, and I told him, man, thanks for serving. I appreciate you. You're so awesome. He said, hey, pastor, thanks. But honestly, I get more out of it than I give. It's true, right? I got to be real for a minute. A lot of you have jobs that you go to during the week that you don't like. You go to work and you push through in order to provide for your family. And that is a noble, honoring thing that you're doing. God did not promise you vocational work that you like. I just have to be real. But he did promise that as you serve others, you will find satisfaction. I know people in this church, they don't like their job, but they get satisfaction out of serving. So you got to write this statement down so you can clarify this. I need to serve faithfully. I need to serve faithfully. Why? Because I want to be great. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus said this is a way to be great in the kingdom of God is to serve others. I want you to be satisfied. Maybe you feel uh, worried about doing this. Uh, maybe you're struggling with some objections. Listen, just do it. Just do it. Watch God elevate you. Watch him bless you and bring satisfaction into your life. Here's another thing we asked about. Uh, how many of you are giving or tithing? This is everybody's favorite conversation. Here's what you said. 43% of you said you tithe. Tithing is giving. Yeah, I, there's one of them. Tithing is when you give God the first 10% of your income. There was other people who said they give regularly, but maybe not a tithe. I want to talk about this for a moment. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2, on the first day of each week, that's Sunday, that's the Lord's day, you should each put aside a portion of the money you have earned. This is a practice for Christians to regularly and systematically put aside a portion of their income for the Lord. I don't want you to wrestle with materialism and bondage to things. And God's system to break you out of materialism and selfishness is tithing. Not only that, but he blesses you through it. When you put him first, he blesses you. When you put him first in your schedule, he blesses you. When you put him first in your finances, he blesses you. I'm not just talking about your pocketbook, your wallet. I'm talking about your life. He blesses your life. When he's first, everything after is blessed. When he's not first, nothing's in the right order. And so you need to experience this. It's the opposite of a diet. A diet is easy to start, isn't it? I love to tell people when I'm starting a diet. I tell my wife, babe, I'm starting a diet. Aren't you proud of me? We post it on social media. Just need everyone to know I'm starting a diet. Pretty impressive, right? How's that diet going, bro? Let's not talk about that right now. It's hard to keep going, especially when you don't see results. It's the opposite with giving financially to God. It's hard to start because it takes faith. But once you start, 
you experience God's blessings and it becomes hard to stop. It's easy to keep going. I was talking to one couple in our church a little while ago. They just gave their lives to Jesus, a husband and wife, and they're growing in their faith and they're excited. They've been starting to read the Bible and they asked me, Pastor, what else should we do? I talked to them about serving and life groups and I said, do you know about tithing? They're like, what's that? I said, it's when you give God the first 10%. And they're just full of passion and joy and gratitude for what God's done in their lives. They said, okay, we're gonna do it. They went home and they started tithing. I didn't really know that they started, but she messaged me a couple of weeks ago. She said, "Um, I gotta tell you about this. I gotta tell you. Uh, This last week, my husband missed a few days of work because of the rain. And we've been tithing ever since we talked to you. But here we are, we're worried that we're not gonna have enough to pay our bills. And we were praying about this. And then we got a tax refund check in the mail from 2014. She said, God is in control. His love is amazing. And I get stories like this every week. If it just happened one time, I'd say that's a coincidence. But after a while, it becomes confirmation that God meant it when he said, test me in this. I will provide for you. I will bless for you. I, I bless you. I will grow your faith through this. So, so I'm going to make this a part of my life. I'm going to say, I need to give generously. I need to give generously. I need to prioritize it. I don't want 57% of our church to miss out on God's blessing. That's why I'm talking about this. Because I want you to experience that blessing in your life. You could be the next person who experiences a miracle like that in your life. Just do it. That's my encouragement to you today. I know it takes faith. But listen, God will give you faith. Just do it. And watch him bless you. Here's the last thing. We asked about inviting and sharing our faith. 49% of you say that you regularly invite people to church and tell people about Jesus. That's amazing. That's a church that loves Jesus and loves their church. So you're telling people, and a couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Amy taught about invitation. But at the same time, we have to recognize half the people said, I'm kind of scared, or I'm inactive, I'm I'm not doing it. But you need to know that God is gonna use you as you invite and as you share the gospel. Last Sunday, I was in the lobby after church. I met these two friends in the lobby. One of them said, as a result of that encouragement to invite, I started checking in on Facebook when I came to church. I just let people know where I was. Well, this is my friend. He woke up one day and said, I need to go to church. He saw me check in, and here he is. It's that simple. A woman in our church told my wife this week, I realized how many opportunities I was missing to invite people to church. And in just the last four weeks, she said, I've invited 24 people to church. Isn't that great? God will use you. Romans chapter one says this. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He says, I'm eager. I'm eager to preach the gospel. I'm looking forward to opportunities to tell you about Jesus. I'm looking for people who might be open to the truth. If you tell me while you're cutting my hair that you're having a rough time, I'm going to tell you about the person who can bring peace to your storm. I dare you to ask me what I'm doing this weekend. I dare you. I'm going to tell you about church, and I'm going to invite you to church. I'm eager. I'm eager to invite. I'm eager to tell about Jesus. That's what we all need to be thinking We need to be eager to invite. And I know it's difficult sometimes. One of the common objections is, I don't want to make people uncomfortable. 
You can be comfortable in an unhealthy situation if that's all you know. Isn't it true? Last year I was traveling with my wife. We went out of town and we were tired, so we checked into our hotel room. We slept really great. You know, it was a great mattress, rested well. I woke up the next morning and realized there were bed bugs in that hotel. I rebuked the devil. I called the front desk. I demanded to be moved. Here's the thing. I thought that that room was comfortable because I didn't realize it was infested. They moved me to another room, which was far better. We worry about making people uncomfortable, but they don't realize what they're missing. We're asking them to leave their infested, sin-filled life to experience new life through Jesus, which is far better and more glorious. We're saying, come out of the storm of sin. Come out of the storm of chaos and experience peace and blessing and protection through Jesus Christ. It's so much better. I'm inviting you out of the cold into the family of Christ. Come be a part of what God is doing. This is abundant life that God has given us through Jesus. It's full life. And people need to know about it. In John 4, the same Samaritan woman that Jesus was talking to, he witnessed to her. She realized he was the Messiah. And even though Jesus confronted her sin, she had sin in her life. She had problems in her life like many of us do. She was changed in her heart. And it says that she left her water jar in verse 28. The woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah, they came out of the town and made their way toward him. They came. And in verse 39 says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. How many people are going to be in heaven someday because you went and got them and said, come and see. I found hope. Yeah, I messed up too. I've got sin in my life too. But this man, he can take your sin away. He can bring hope to your life. He can change you. He receives you into the family of God when you trust him and surrender your life to him. Not ashamed. This is the power of God for salvation. To know, man, I I can be a sinner yet accepted by God because of Jesus. So I write this down in my notes, and I hope you will too. I need to invite eagerly. I need to invite eagerly looking for an open door looking for an opportunity. God will use me if I'll invite eagerly. I know it's scary sometimes. Let's be honest. Sometimes you're worried about yourself being uncomfortable. But just do it. And watch God use you to rescue people's souls. Get engaged. Just do it. But Pastor Ryan, get engaged. I'm saying just do it. Like Shia LaBeouf said, just do it. (laughs) Yesterday you said tomorrow. Just do it. Here, I'll tell you a story as we close. Um, there's this garage. I, I have a garage. And in my, <laughs> there's a garage in my house. And uh, I have this TV, this old TV that's been in my garage for a while. It's one of those old TVs. You know how it cost a fortune back then, but now you couldn't even give it away? Like that. And this TV has been sitting on the ground in my garage. I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but for a year. And I've been intending to hang this thing up on the wall and enjoy it while I exercise in my garage. So I have a little, little gym there where I exercise. And I've been saying to myself, I got to hang that thing up. One of these days, I got to hang it up. Today, no, it's not really a good day. I'm kind of tired. Maybe I should do tomorrow. Tomorrow comes. I'm a little bit busy tomorrow. I'm sure the next day will be a little bit slower. I'll do it then. That thing has been sitting on the ground collecting dust for a year. And bless my wife, 
She doesn't nag me, but she's probably been walking by that TV this whole time just praying for me. Like, God, help my husband. He's procrastinating. So this week I was preparing this message where I was going to say, just do it. And I'm working out and I'm looking at that TV on the ground. I'm thinking I can't be a hypocrite. I've got to finally hang this TV up. So I just did it. I got a drill out. You don't have to applause. Does not deserve applause. Just hung this TV up. As I was working out, to be honest, didn't even take any extra time, just did a set, did a little bit of drilling, hung the thing up, and I'm sitting there and I thought, that didn't even take that long. It wasn't even that hard. And now I've got this TV I can enjoy before it was just there sitting on the ground collecting dust. Why did I delay for so long? I was the one who was going to benefit from doing the work, but I was just being lazy and making excuses. I was the one who would be blessed. Do you see where I'm going with this? I wonder for us as Christians, how many of us have blessings in the storeroom of heaven with our names on them collecting dust? Because we haven't done the thing that God has called us to do. We're the ones who will benefit. We're the ones who will find freedom. We're the ones who will be blessed when we do the word of God, not just hear the word of God. Listen, God loves you right where you're at but he loves you too much to leave you there. And so he wants us all to take our next step. Maybe you're here this morning and you said, hey, there's a ton of things you talked about I'm not doing. I've got so much room to grow. Listen, it's gonna be so fun to celebrate with you a year from now how far God has brought you. We are all on this journey and we're all still growing. Maybe you're listening this morning and you said, I'm doing all those things, Pastor Ryan. I'm a five-star recruit. I'm knocking it out of the park. I would say, praise God, you weren't always that way, were you? And we need to compare ourselves to who we were, not to who someone else is. We look back and see how far God's brought us, and we're going to celebrate together. Even if you're already doing all those things I talked about, God is still going to help you to grow. And maybe, maybe you're in one of our services today, maybe you're watching online, and you say, I need to accept the invitation from Jesus to come out from the storm into his family. I need to accept Jesus and be forgiven of my sins. I wanna be made new. I wanna experience life and blessing. Today is an opportunity for you to receive Jesus, to be forgiven and to be made new. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. I'm praying first just for faith for everyone in our church that you'll trust God, that as you have the desire in your heart to do his will and as you take your next step, he's gonna empower you to take that next step. He's gonna love you faithfully as you walk forward. He's gonna celebrate you as you make progress. I believe that he'll give us faith as we honor his word. And maybe you're here, maybe you're listening online, maybe you're watching right now and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to accept this invitation and become a part of his family. Listen, the Bible says you can be saved if you call on the name of the Lord and you'll be accepted into God's family through the righteousness of Jesus. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray with me just to express what's in your heart. Just pray this with me. Say, God, I know that I've sinned and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And I believe that he rose again to make me new and give me life. I wanna follow you from this day forward. I wanna honor you with my life. Thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it, when I didn't earn it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, God's good, right? 
Come on, let's stand to our feet right now as we get ready to respond in Awatuki and in Mesa. We're going to worship the Lord, but before we do that, I want to celebrate with you if you just accepted Jesus right now. That's the most important moment in your whole life, so we have to celebrate that. I'm not going to embarrass you, but on the count of three, if you just accepted Jesus, I'm going to ask you to shoot your hand up so we can celebrate with you. One, God loves you. Two, if you just accepted Jesus, welcome to his family. Three, come on, just shoot your hand up. We're going to celebrate with you. That's great, man. Anybody else say, that's me. Come on. Thank you. That's so good. Come on. We got to give God praise. He's changed us. He's redeemed us. And so we worship him. Come on.